0: Okay, listeners, we are back with the Adrian Bow podcast brought to you by AdrianBowe.com for all your coaching and training needs. Please log on. Most of the proceeds go to Beyond Blue and the Black Dog Institute. So please reach out on my website. Love to have you as part of my coaching community. And today on episode 90, I'm absolutely delighted to bring to you... Uh, Almost real estate luminari, actually, in Australia, um, Mr. Matthew Everingham from Richard Matthews. How are you, sir?
1: Good, thank you, sir. Thank you for having me. What a pleasure to come on uh, this podcast. I mean, I listen week in, week out, and uh, fantastic content. And I've got to say, working with Adrian and his uh, and his coaching, you know, I've got to give him a plug and say how awesome it is. So, thanks, Adrian. Mate. Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: Appreciate it, appreciate it. And, and I say real estate, Luminary, because I know you're very modest and you, you wouldn't talk about a lot of your sort of success, if, if, if success can be talked about, um, you know, in, in a holistic sense, because I, I see you as someone who's pretty balanced, you know, in terms of your personal life, your business life. Um, very very approachable and affable and humble guy as well um, recently uh, nominated in the REB top 100 as well um, so mate a lot of listeners as you know um, want to hear about how the the, the the journey started and the genesis of of this journey called real estate How how did you how did you get into it buddy
1: Yeah, look, it's um, I get asked this a lot, and it's there's no real excitement to the story other than the fact that um, I finished uh, my HSC. I was 17, um, and my dad had said to me, "Look, I know you want to go to uni, and you you know you've applied, and all that sort of stuff is great, um, but I don't want you sitting at home for six months." And um, I've got some friends of mine who uh, run a real estate office, and I know you've got a bit of an interest in that sort of stuff. And why don't you go and spend a few months uh, working with them and you know, just keep yourself busy and and kind of I think for him it was about me maybe maturing a little bit you know typical seventeen year old not a hundred percent sure what I wanted to do had an idea, um, and I started I started literally the week after I finished my HSC and he really just he said well, I don't want you sitting around just doing nothing, um, so I started just up the road here at Elders and um, I I uh, I really haven't looked back since I got accepted to uni and and by that stage I I really loved what I was doing and. It's funny, I, I didn't really, plan to go into it, but once I started, it's like I found my home and, and um, I've done it ever since.
0: It's very common amongst agents, isn't it? Because yeah. there, there's, there's no real um, direction or tertiary education apart from, say, TAFE or your certificate of registration. I mean, now they've got the, the Bachelor of Business in Land Economics, which is more recent. But, but at yeah. the time when you did get accepted into uni, what, what was that for? Man. I was a
1: bachelor of, um, uh, commerce basically. Okay. Um, okay. and, and, and I think it was business management. So look, it had some feel that would would have helped real estate, I suppose, given my role now. Yep. Um, but I don't know. I think like most 17 year old boys, it's kind of like, mm, do I really want to have that study? And I, I just fell into it. And, and look, to be, to be frank, I, I really didn't know myself all that well there. And, you know, I was certainly not who I am today. I was, I was pretty shy and, you know, I was just, you know, a, a kid really who was making his dad happy and doing that. And, and I, I started and I just really enjoyed it. And um, it, I grew up very quickly because I was thrown into the deep end. And back then, you know, we're talking, what, 22 years ago almost that uh, real estate was very different. And it was, Adrian, you know, this sort of very doggy um, dog and, you know, very, very masculine kind of industry. Um, and you had to sink or swim.
0: Yeah. And was that in um, rentals uh, when you started, Matt?
1: Uh, I was, I was a bit of an all rounder. I was doing sort of assisting the sales team, assisting the rental team. Um, my first job when I walked in there day one was a Saturday morning, I remember this and my boss, I'm very, very successful agent. Um, and he, he's still, he's still around and he, um he he took me out the front and he gave me some Windex and some newspaper and he said, I want you to clean the window display. he goes, and and this is going to level you out. He goes, because you know what, real estate is starting here. Um, And that was my first gig. I cleaned the window display for the first hour and um, yeah, that was my introduction into it.
0: (laughs) That's probably not a bad metaphor for real estate in general, actually. Just just keep, keep, Keep it clean, right? Keep it clean. Sure. What you do, what you say, how you conduct business, how you how you perform your opens, your auctions, etc. So it's probably, oh, yeah. probably probably not a bad subliminal metaphor. I, I would have thought that set you up pretty nicely. So you, you'd be one of the few people that got into the industry, Matt, that actually did okay at school because most of the people I tend to talk to they, they, they didn't even get close to being eligible for university. So yeah. so so. Um, was academia something that that interested you? Yeah, it was. I mean, I I
1: was probably probably lazy, um, but I had I suppose some level of ability at school, and I mean, I, I got accepted to uni, so I suppose it was there was a level of that there. I mean, I certainly wasn't a a doctor or a, um, you know, a brain scientist, but I I yeah, I, I think I did, and I think it. Um, it's like anything you don't I I just don't think I knew really what I wanted at that age and I think that's very common in our business but I do get a lot of young guys that come to me you know now that sort of are are 16 17 say oh you know we want to be agents and there's more of that but I think they're often coming into it because they think you know well we can wear a Rolex and you know drive a Ferrari and sit in a cafe and it's it's not like that at all Mm -hmm. um and I often say to them, you know, come and spend a day with me on a on a Saturday in the midweek and you see how hard we work and what we do, it'll be very mm. different to what your perception is. Um,
0: mm. and it is. Yeah, I'm 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 glad that you do that as 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 almost like a um uh almost almost like um, some sort of um you know, performance display or some sort of work experience project, because you're right that a lot of younger people or not necessarily even younger people, but a lot of people who are outside the real estate bubble, um, I I would say are as far as delusional about what's involved because, you know, because like the social media snippets, Oh. They're the they're the glamorous bits, right? They're the no auctions, question. the up, auctions, the open houses, the deals, or whatever. But but you and I both know that's probably five percent of what we actually do. You know, so absolutely. So, so I've prepared a lot of young people getting into the industry, and I say to them, look, you should just follow me around for a week, and let me tell you. At the end of it, you'll you'll decide, not me. You'll decide whether this industry is for you, because. Oh, let me tell you, it ain't uh, as glamorous
1: as what you think, you know? I, um, I think that sums it up perfectly. And I think the glamour is what you see on social media. You know, we post, you know, we're out there auctioning and it's all exciting. And then we're, you know, blowing the top off the champagne and it's all fun. Mm. But, you know, I had a, an owner who um, I auctioned for on Saturday who was ecstatic with the outcome of their auction and said, oh, you know, I, I really appreciate what you've done. And, you know, oh, thank you. you. You know, you've changed my life, blah, blah, which is fantastic. And I said to them, and I, and I believe this is the case, and I turned to a salesperson who was with me um, who had done all the hard work, and I said, they've done all the work. Um, I've turned up here today, and yes, you know, the fun of the day and the excitement of the auction is great, but I can't do anything um, in terms of my role on the day without the four weeks of hard labour that they've put in, the, the phone calls, the inspections, the arguments with, you know, pricing and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, uh, I think that sums up our, our business. Like, I mean, you know, the auction day is what, 15, 20 minutes, if that, um, on the day. All of the work, though, leading into it is exactly why that's either a success or not. And that sums up real estate, I reckon.
0: Mm. No, you're 100% right. Both you and I enjoy the luxury of of conducting auctions and being auctioneers. And I think that's one of the funnest parts of the industry. And and your words were were not dissimilar to mine on on Saturday with my associate Harrison, you know, and uh, he said to me, Oh, Bowie, geez, that was a textbook auction, mate. You really called that well. And I said, mate, you're very modest. I said, it's, it was a textbook auction because you did all the hard work for the last four weeks. Um, He said, what do you mean? I said, mate, you know, preparing the buyers because especially in this market, you've got some buyers, verbatim saying to you, I'm not even going to turn up because this, this is going to sell for $3 million, okay, right. you know. And we're, 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 the price guide on, on this one was early twos. I mean, it, it did sell for mid twos, which was still a bit over, but... It wasn't, you know, he literally had some buyers saying, forget it, it's going to sell for three minutes. And I, and I, and I heard him on the phone, you know, during the campaigns saying, look, I can, I can assure you the owners are realistic. They've gone to a nursing home. You need to be there. You know, that you're one of, of six buyers, not one of 60 buyers, you know? So he's, he's had all the conversations. So a textbook auction can look that way, but yeah, God, there's a lot of conversations, a lot of private viewings, oh. a lot of contracts going out. And lot it's of the same.
1: It's it's the same as getting the listing. I mean, often, you know, some some of those conversations are, are for years that people have. And I think that's 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 a big part of our, our business that people forget, you know, there while the market right now has been good, um, you know, you and I have talked about this, it's starting to sort of probably swing a little bit the other way where it's becoming more of a normality. Um and we're going to go through these, these ups and downs, but you know, if you, if you hone your skills, well, you're good at what you do that, you know, those relationships is what's going to pay off in the future.
0: Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Um, so for those who don't know Matt's in partnerships with Richard and, and they've got yep. Richard Matthews real estate in Strathfield, um, great office, great, uh, roster of agents, uh, great branding, boutique, independent, nimble, um, how long that has that been in operation for, Matt?
1: We just ticked over ten years. Our ten year anniversary uh, last month. Right. Um, so Richard and I started basically just him and I, literally, um, just the two of us. And um, we were we were next door in a much smaller office. And yeah, it's been ten years that we've been here now. And look, I've got to say most of that most of that growth's probably come in the last three or four. Mm. Um, before that, we were we were kind of trying to do everything. We were learning, we were, we were scrapping away, you know, really grinding it out. And, you know, it's, um, I don't know, it's, it's, it's been 10, 10 busy years,
0: Adrian. I can imagine. I can imagine. Um, what I love about this podcast and also what I love about my role in coaching is that I'm, I'm very brand agnostic. Um, so there could be no sharper contrast between, this podcast and the 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 most recent one with Hazley Cush, who's who's a great success story for, for Ray White, who's obviously a very successful franchise or business. Yeah. Um you being independent for ten years, you and I have spoken about it, you've been approached by 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 everyone, literally yeah. what what has made you reluctant to join a franchise group?
1: Um, I think from day one, we were never really wanting to be aligned with a franchise. We didn't want to be bogged down by the fact that we had to be in a particular suburb or a couple of suburbs. That was never our business model. Um, While we're based right here in Strathfield, the position of our office actually fringes on a heap of different suburbs. So we're not area specific, you know, we're not one suburb and we've got specialists that are in different areas. And I think it allows us to have the ability to kind of, you know, branch out into different areas and, and do what we do. Um, and we want to grow that business. And, and that's, that's no, no secret. We want it to sort of expand, um, but we want to have that control to, to sort of have a business of how we wanted to see it run. And, you know, we've now got two full-time marketing staff and we have to invest in that side of it because we don't have a franchise behind us, but yeah, there was never an appeal in that. We, I, I know. People in franchises uh, love it and, you know, they want that support and it was just never our, our vision. I think we wanted to do it, do it our way and do something a little bit different and it's paid off. It's taken time and we had to build it from scratch. But it's very rewarding when you see that happen later on, you know.
0: So despite that being the initial motivation, Matt, um, has anyone come to you since then with any compelling business case around why you should join a franchise group, though?
1: They've come to me a lot. Um, and, and quite honestly, no, uh, nothing has jumped out. Because if we felt that that was the right move, we would have made that. Um, but there was nothing that came forward from my perspective that I thought, you know what, if we join up with these guys, we'll be able to go to the next level. And, you know, we didn't want to be restrained by, you have know, got this territory, this patch, this area, this ability to market this way. Um, quite, quite frankly, no. There's been absolutely nothing that's appealed to okay, us about
0: okay, it okay. at all. E- even though, even though that most franchise all groups um, don't have restrictions per se, mm. e- 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 what, what else? Because that could be overcome. So if I was, if I was yeah. in, if I was in new business and I worked for Ray White or Hookers or McGrath, whoever it was. And I was trying to convince you with a compelling business case, and mm. and I said to you, "But look, Matt, there are no restrictions, mate. But this is our technology. This is our referral um, synergy between offices. This is this is our social media. This is the way we were. What what part of that doesn't appeal to you? And what part of being an independent mm. remains remains a a framework that?" still puts you as a compelling point of difference in your marketplace.
1: I think it's exactly that. It's a point of difference. You know, we, we have competitors that are franchises and it's very sort of washed in with with other sort of franchise groups and it's, it's less, um, they have less control about how you market yourself and how you go about it. So for us, it was about sort of doing things a little bit different mm-hmm. and I just didn't feel like a franchise would give us any, um, any real leverage in the marketplace, firstly, Um, Mm -hmm. if we'd had this conversation 20 or 30 years ago, maybe, maybe that would have been a different story, but I've worked for a a large franchise group before. um, And I can tell you that, and this is a long time ago. This is when I first started out um, in the late nineties, early two thousands. And there was really no benefit or offshoot for being part of that franchise. You know, there wasn't much sort of synergy between offices and there certainly wasn't a referral network. And, I think as the the technology has changed and social media has changed, it doesn't matter what brand you are as long as it is an innovative and good brand and they and they're investing in that um, brand i don't think it matters um, because you, you, you you've now got so many platforms in which to get yourself out there mm. that i and I also think that offices are changing too, like I you know gone are the days where you've got your this sort of small um, franchise office where there's three people in there and it's effective. I mean, I think real estate is changing from that model. Mm. Um, There's going to be bigger offices, um, super sort of offices with teams within those offices. Mm. Um, That's how I'm seeing a shift.
0: Sure. Okay. No, I, 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 I can't disagree with that. Um, So, so is it fair to say that being independent is one of your most compelling USPs in the lounge rooms when you're pitching for listings?
1: Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I think people recognise our brand in our markets. I mean, if you took our brand and, and and popped it over where you are, it'd be like, well, we don't know these guys. It's not recognisable. But where we are, it's like we have a bit of clear air because, you know, we're not, we're not mixed in with three or four other you know, small franchise officers that may or may not be good because you mm. don't know who owns those businesses surrounding you and how they operate them and what... Uh, impact they have but for us people are aware our color is unique you know we've got a sort of a lime green color and it's it's specifically done that way in order for us to stand out and then people recognize us right away as part of that brand so yeah I I think it's a big difference for us when we're sitting down with a client and they do recognize what we stand for Um, and Richard and I while the business has grown have the same ethics you know we want clients to remain with us forever and no, we're very, you know, ethically and morally, we're we're very protective
0: of that. Okay. So, for other independent agents or principals listening to this, yep. what is what does it actually sound like in the lounge room when you're pitching for a piece of business and you're you're leveraging off the fact that you are an independent and not part of a franchise? What what's some some dialogue that it would sound like with the vendor?
1: I don't ever think I have to have dialogue around franchise, v. independent, what we do say is, you know, we obviously operate in a, in a large number of markets. We're probably the number one agent in 12 or 13 of our markets now, which right. allows us to sort of have a point of difference where we're able to sort of transfer buyers in different suburbs, you know, Strathfield for argument's sake in this area is the, the top end of, of property around here. And then you might look at a suburb that's sort of five or 10 minutes away that is half the value Um, It allows us to pitch bringing uh, buyers in from different markets in order to to sort of grow the ability to get, you know, higher prices in their door. Um, Very, very seldom do I get somebody ask me about a franchise. It's like our our competitors don't really use, utilize that anymore. And I think also we really do stand out. People recognize us right away in our markets now. But, but that has taken uh, uh, 10 years to now build up, you know, the first few years unrecognisable and we were working off of our names. People knew us, Richard and I, but they didn't know the business. And it took a a long, a long time to sort of get that brand awareness up um, Mm. for people to recognize who we were, but it's a lot easier now. I mean, we really don't have the conversation. It's just, you know, we're, we're known now.
0: Sure. So when you say recognized, Matt, you're talking about aesthetically like that, that green branding. Yep. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting, yep. isn't it? That's interesting because yeah. you'd, have, you'd have a lot of different brands saying, well, that may be a weakness of ours, the fact that we don't stand out enough aesthetic, aesthetically, but yep. we're, we're prolific when it comes to prospecting social media letterbox dropping etc so what you're saying is is in isolation not that this is your only point of difference but in isolation the fact that when you go into a lounge room or your agents go into a lounge room, the brand of Richard Matthews and that colour and the signboards, the signboards uh, sign yeah. in particular, but also your office, because I've been to your office and, it, and, and, it, and it's right in the centre there of Strathfield. So that's, so really it's the signboards, the office, the, the the social media, it's all very yes. consistent, isn't it?
1: Yeah, very much so, and I think a large part of our growth and success is when we um, employed Sheridan, who who's our marketing manager, and she she really she refreshed our brand. So the name stayed the same, but we we gave it a brand refresh and we sort of re rebranded um, some of what or a lot of what we were doing. Pretty much re, rejigged all of that and really then started to to, to punch out there on all those platforms, the brand side of it, and that's been a, a game changer for us. I think real estate has changed. In that respect, now you know it's very market marketing oriented, um, and we needed that person. Now another person, now looking at another person from a, a branding and marketing perspective to come on board because that's that's ultimately what what people are looking at now. And you know, social media is a big part of it. Uh, obviously, a whole range of other stuff that
0: we do as mm. well. It's funny you say that because I didn't actually think of it that way in terms of the colour, but now now that I'm actually absorbing it i'm thinking wow green is is something that denotes health it denotes Mm. environmental friendliness um it's warm it's inviting um so green is actually the new black when it comes to the 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 21st century when you think about it given given you know the, the 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 environmental impact that um, that everyone's talking about so I actually never thought about it that way and yeah, it's probably yeah. by default really I don't think you designed it that way when you thought about it It just maybe it was a great colour and um, I think and, it, it,
1: we, we thought that it was clear air like we thought that you know there's yeah. so many reds and you know there's so many dark blues and mm. there was a lot of that there and obviously yellow but yeah. nobody really had that so it just came to a clear space Good, well.
0: Good on you So 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 Matt your office now, it's a bit of a super office because I know you're, you're, you're going through or you've just been through a refurbishment. I came to yep. visit you a f- few weeks ago at the tail end of that. Yep. Um, so how many agents? So there's yourself, Richard, and how many other agents in the business?
1: So there's a total now in the business in general. There's, we've just put on our 32nd person. Right. Um, so there's 32 of us. I think there's 16 of that is in the sales side of it. Um, and then obviously we've got property management, uh, admin, uh, marketing accounting. Um, so we're, yeah, we're all under one roof for the moment. Uh, and you're right. We, we rebuilt our office because we ran out of space. <laughs> so we had yep. to do that. Um, and I think it also allowed us to sort of stay on top of our game and, you know, up, 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 the surroundings a bit. I think a lot of real estate offices are a little bit copy paste and I, we had to be better in order to get better.
0: basically. Mm. Mm. And of the 16 in the sales team, what's the configuration Mm. of listing agents and associate agents? Uh,
1: There's, I think now there's 11, 11 that are listing agents and then the balance are associates. There's a couple more starting as associates. So our business model was, we we didn't really go out there and recruit anybody with any, any uh, profile or name. That wasn't what we wanted to do. We wanted to sort of, bring people through as our associates and keep them within the business who have now developed their own teams and their own business units. Um, and it's been very successful for us because, you know, firstly, good quality people who do things properly. Um, but it's also really rewarding to see that progression come through in the last couple of years, particularly. Um, no doubt.
0: No doubt. Look, that, that is the model that, that I advocate and you and I and Richard yep. have spoken about this. Um yeah. And and is that organic recruitment? Because that's what I call it. Organic recruitment is is that going to be the pathway forward for the business? In that in that we 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 keep plugging in associates and those associates become standalones, then they create their own EBS and so on and so forth.
1: I think so. I think naturally it goes that way. If we expand the business and there's opportunity for those associates to move through into their own role, and then yeah, they create their own teams. Richard and I will keep bringing associates through and sort of you know, mentoring them through, you know, people with a bit of experience, but you know, you know no, no heavy hitters as such. Um, it's not to say we wouldn't put somebody into our team that, you know, has a profile and has a name out there, but we're so particular about culture and the fit within that, that we've got to be careful that we, we sort of stick toward that. And I don't know, I feel like we, we also really value the level of service and, and what we provide. And we want to make sure that people are on the same page regarding that because, Look, you know what it's like, you get a few people within your team that don't do it the right way and it, 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 it can really mess up the the dynamic but also your your name out there and we have worked too hard for that to be the case.
0: Oh absolutely. Look, you know, you only need one or two people to cannibalise, you know, great culture, yeah, yeah. um and, and also and also best practice in the market and, and, and that that disturbs the the, the 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 reputation that you've created. Understood. So 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 Obviously, the organic recruitment, which is the associate model, we get that. Um, you say you're open to recruiting, a, say, a standalone agent in Momentum from another business. But the reality yeah. is this in the last two years, have you recruited anyone like that? No. <laughs> it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. No. But I, and I, it was a rhetorical question because I knew the answer. I knew the answer. <laughs> but I think but we I, talked about this. <laughs> yeah but but a lot of listeners would be very surprised would be yeah, very no, surprised yeah um, because i've tried both you know i've been in business business ownership you know for for a long time yeah. and i've tried both models i've tried the organic recruitment model and i've tried picking people from you know other industries even agents from other offices that, and and the latter is harder i'm not saying you shouldn't have an awareness factor for both types of recruitment sure. because we should, we should. But what you're saying is you haven't come across someone who has the same synergy in terms of work ethic, culture, and best practice, right. um, who you guys believe would, would be a great fit. And and that wouldn't be due to a lack of approaches. I wouldn't have thought. I, I'd, yeah. I, yeah. So that's interesting. No, no, I think I think
1: it's been the reason for our success because you know um, it's not an age thing. You know, we've got a mixed age sort of sales team. or just in general in our office, where we where we probably really enjoy success or the growth part is that you know um, people that have started in our business in a very different capacity initially grown into you know different roles and are now uh, employing their own people. That is awesome. Mm that is really awesome. And I, to be honest, I, I get more satisfaction out of that than anything else because, you know, they're um, they kind of come through, they've learned off us, you know, they've, they've put it into practice and they've stayed with us. And I don't know that, that really makes it a whole lot more rewarding than anything else.
0: Mm, I agree. So, so on that, on that point, Matt, we're, we're effectively talking about retention. Okay. Yes. Now retention ain't easy. it's it's as difficult as recruitment in my opinion if not harder um what is the secret for you guys because you've done an okay job better than most with Mm. retention um is it something that's strategic or is it something that's passive that just happens in the background or is it a combination of both uh
1: I think it's strategic, but it, it becomes passive with the culture of the people. Look, I think the first and foremost thing is that we are, Richard and I are both very much accessible to the team. You know, we're there to help them, guide them, grow them. We want them to grow their team. So I think we're encouraging of them sort of going forward, which I think is important. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the general culture and support within the office is second to none. So when I say that, I mean, the culture comes down to, you know, just the people that are here, the right people that, you know, are within the business. Um, That's a big, big part of it. Um, And then the support we have, you know, we have admin and marketing support, um, great property management team. And I think, I think that it comes from Richard and I but filters through the whole business that, you know, we just want to see everyone succeed. And, you know, the work ethic here is the one thing that you can't coach Either people have got it or they don't. Um, You know, I saw people here nine, 10 o'clock on Monday, Tuesday night in the office and really just grinding away. And um, that's because they want to be better. They want to be successful. And yes, there's a monetary reward, but not for everybody. You know, our admin team are not, they, you know based on how much they list and sell, but they their care for the, the other teammates and the business is incredible and that's that 's a huge part of our success
0: mm. so so the strategic part of retention reading between the lines is the level of support they receive. So, so if you, if an agent was working in a different organization, they may not have the same type of level of support. What I mean by that is list to launch, for example. So, so I'm assuming that if I'm an agent in your office, I hand in an agency agreement and, and the most part which is the non-dollar productive part between list and launch is handled by, by the support 100%. team. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, we've got a couple of forms that they fill in that um, basically activate uh, a launch on a property um, and that's all they've got to do. Um, you know, they give, they give particular info and then they hand it over to the admin and marketing team and then they do what they're good at because ultimately you'll know this and we're probably both guilty of it. We're great agents. We're great salespeople. We're hopeless on the admin and, you know, marketing side of it, ad writing, all that sort of stuff. Um, and it, it bogs you down, you know, it takes you time. And if if we don't provide that support, um, then I feel like the agents are losing uh, time and ability to do what they're good at and costing us and themselves opportunity and money.
0: Mm. So those sales support uh, people within the office, I assume that's their role, marketing and sales support, right? Correct. Um, yeah. Um, so are they also liaising with the vendor direct between list and launch or that's the agent's responsibility?
1: Um, there's an option there. We, we give them the option. So we say to the agent on one of those activation forms, would you like us to liaise directly with the owner or would you like to take care of it? We give them the option. Um, most of the time the agents trust the marketing team to sort of send the info out and then talk directly to the vendor to get that stuff Right. Um, because they know that you know their their role is really beyond that ad and so forth. But
0: yeah, we give that option definitely. I love that. I love that, Matt. That is that is I would say one of the best retention mechanisms or techniques or strategies. That I've heard, because that's not very common. That it's not very common. So it costs it costs us,
1: you know, money, and, and the, the the reality is, you know, you've got to have staff to be able to support that. But on the flip side of that, we've got agents that are happy doing what they're good at. Because look, salespeople are hopeless with that stuff; they really are. And if they get bogged down in it, how
0: much opportunity do they miss. Um, so yeah, not it's, to, it's, not to mention not to mention leakage and quality control. So if they if they make a mistake and it's gonna affect you as a business owner, it's gonna affect the brand, which therefore affects their colleagues and other agents and it just trickles on, right?
1: Correct. Yeah, and we're very protective about that. You know, mm-hmm. it's important that it's consistent through. And the only way to do that is to have a team that, that that handles it and they just concentrate on what they're good at. But also I say to clients all the time, you know, you don't want your agent sitting there worrying about the ad and the photos and the brochure and the sign, because honestly they're hopeless at it firstly, but secondly, it diverts their attention away from what they should be doing, which is negotiating and bringing buyers through your home. Mm
0: -hmm. So as an agent in your office, what else would, would keep me there, Matt? I mean, would, would, would you say part of it is culture? And if so, how would you sum up the culture in a few words in, in your office?
1: Uh, culture is a big part of it and I think the culture is everyone wants to win you know and when we say win we, we want everyone to be better we want we support each other you know we'll go to an auction and I, I think this is a big difference with our team you know we'll go to an auction that one of our sales agents has listed um, and typically there'll be seven or eight agents that turn up there um, to support them to help them you know we'll, we'll we, we meet on Monday nights and we figure out how we can work our opens around those auctions and you know who's available who can help who, who can help your teammate put on a show and make it look great. So that's a big part of, of the culture. Um, and then just the fact that, you know, I think everybody gets on, you know, we socialize a bit together, um, the entire office pretty much bar. I think some of the admin team are heading up to Eric in a few weeks and just things like that. Like there's an incredible just a drive to be the best version. And we, and we do, we do really push each other along. Cause I've worked for other offices where, very toxic. They, there's a jealousy there. You know, we don't want that person doing well, and if we don't want to help them, and
0: horrible, mm-hmm. horrible. So culture is a bit cliche, though, because it's it's said quite often and, 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 a lot of people say, it, you know, in a cavalier manner, but, but if mm. you, could, if you could create some tangibility around your culture, like one, one um, framework you've just mentioned there, which is like, if we've got an auction, let's all be there, let's all support each other. Yeah. What, what, what would be a couple of other tangible examples to, to define the culture at Richard Matthews?
1: Um, I think just the, um, the, the, the fact that everybody helps everybody else out, not just from an auction front, but, you know, quite often we have a very open plan office and it was designed that way. And we did it so that, you know, um, one person can learn off the other. Um, mm-hmm. And that ability to, to sort of grow each other, I think is a big part of it. Um, I think also the fact that, you know, as a business... We really, we really are in each other's corner. You know, if one of the guys is away, you know, somebody else is prepared to help out. And I think right down to Richard and I, and part of the culture is certainly us, you know, where, you know, they, they pick up the phone at 10, 11 o'clock at night and, you know, we need help with this or we need, we need your advice on that. We're there. Um, and I think culture starts with us in that respect because, you know, we're there to help each other out as well as our teammates out. Um, and I just think that, you know, if we've got an issue, we we all agree that we address it right away and we move on with it. You know, we don't dwell on stuff, and I think that's a big plus.
0: Okay, excellent. What about um, more defined uh, forums or symposiums that you guys create, such as sales meetings or training forums or whatever? What's the frequency and 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 of and quality of those?
1: So, with the uh, with the team, uh, Richard and I independently meet with everyone each week. So we sit down and we, we go through, you know, they're not long meetings. It could be 10, 15 minutes, just as a bit of a, how are you going? What can we help with? This is some observation stuff. Um, property management meets um, twice a week. Sales meet twice a week. One is more in preparation for what we've got upcoming that week. And the other one is training focused. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a mixture of training, you know, people like yourself, um, external people coming in, other agents who are successful, uh, we do a lot of work with agents who aren't in Sydney that sort of zoom in or have come in. Um, and that's a real plus for us. And then obviously Rick and I addressing the team. So it's every week. Um, and, you know, if there's big conferences on, we, we all try and go as a team together because we feel like that's a great way for us to all grow and benefit um, as a group. Um, and it's also good to sort of, um, you know, galvanise the theme atmosphere. That's a huge factor.
0: Mm. So you're actually sitting down one-on-one with every agent on a weekly basis, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. What, I do what... that
1: as, as well as Richard. So we, we do that because we, we talk about different things and I think we offer different things to the team and that's what makes us successful. We're different characters. I mean, you've met with mm. both of us and we're you yeah. know,
0: we've got the same goal, but we are different. And mm. it works. It works really well. Mm, I think it's outstanding Um, you know I've always been a massive advocate of of one-on-ones and I've always run it in my business so tell me what what's the general agenda for those meetings though because a lot of them as you know Matt can become um, therapy sessions or (laughs) counseling (laughs) sessions yeah counseling sessions when someone's been a bit off track I'm not saying that that's a bad thing because sometimes uh, people need that but how do you how do you try and keep it on purpose and actually make it productive?
1: Look, it's an, that's a very tough one to answer easily because everyone's at a different stage in their career. What yep. I generally would do is sort of assess where they're at and what they need. You know, like for a young associate agent that's, that's really very fresh and doesn't know a lot about real estate, may have been doing it for a short period of time, I might sit in there and do a call session with them where I, I get right. on the phone and say, All right, listen to how I handle it. Now you make some calls. It could be that. Um So really real life, real estate stuff. And for more um, senior agents, agents who are running their own teams, it might be more around how's your thing going? What can you do to get the best out of the person? This -hmm. is my observation about where you guys could be better. Mm -hmm. Um, And then for the ones in between, it's kind of like, well, what do you guys need help with? What you direct me, what can I help you with? Or this is my observation from the past work that I've seen with you. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes it's an honesty session. Sometimes it's guys... Look, be honest, your, your your energy is shit house, and and you're really not where you need to be. And it's mm-hmm. basically just like a, a a punch in the face, a nice one, but an mm-hmm. honesty session to say, hey, snap out of it. This is where you're at. And and I think they appreciate that too. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And if there's a grievance, you know, if they're not happy about something, tell us, tell me now. You know,
0: let's get it done. So are they are they briefed prior to going into that meeting to bring something? to the table, whether it's an issue or whether it's something they need support with or, or, or it's just discussed in, in real time, in real, real time. time. I think yeah. they know
1: they don't, they don't send me a, an email. Same with Richard. Once a month we'll sit down and talk more specific about goals. So then yes, yeah. Um, yeah. we'll do that and say, all right, you're, you're at X, Y, and Z. Where, where's it looking? How's it going? Mm-hmm. Um, but otherwise, no, it's ad hoc and yeah, we just
0: go for it. Good. Yeah. I like that because um, that way it's, it is in real time. And that that's actually, hands-on coaching, you know, because 100%. you, you guys, to them. yeah, yeah. Because real estate, real estate really is a shoulder to shoulder sport. You know, it really is. We're in the trenches yep, together. I agree with that. Uh, okay, good. So mate, it'd, it'd be remiss not to have a, a brief discussion about the current market conditions. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously we've seen, exponential growth in the last 6 months and 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 it's been geographically indiscriminate what i mean by that is whether it's your area um whether it's the east whether it's the northern beaches whether it's the south um, yeah. everyone's experience even regional even regional probably to not that extent but regional still up probably 10 15% which is a lot more than they've 100%. seen in in a lot of long time um, i've certainly sensed in the last seven to 10 days that Mm. the market, that the market has probably hit a level that it's quite comfortable with now. Um, Would you, would you agree with that? And is that your observation esoterically on the ground in your BDA?
1: hundred percent. I think the market sort of hit a level uh, and it seems to have kind of, I don't know, the, the buyers are still very much there. There's still good buyer activity, but Um, that that sheer craziness or that that heat that we were getting um, in some of the results is coming out Mm -hmm. Um, it reminds me a lot of 2017 if I reflect back on the last kind of market where it was like this it reminded me of the same kind of thing and that was partly because buyers started to get a bit of media you know hammering them you know the market's overheating it's going to slow down and then more stock came to market Mm -hmm. so yeah, 100%. I think you've hit the nail on the head. The past couple of weeks, we've definitely seen it.
0: So what advice would you give to agents listening mm. that are in vendor meetings? Um, it could be a, an update meeting. It could be a reserve meeting. who Who their vendors have continued the price trajectory in their head you know, so if the market was was, was going by, you know, um, 20 to 25% in the last six months, they've just continued that trajectory and their expectations are quite inflated.
1: I, I um, what, to...
0: what advice would you, would you give that agent to manage that owner's expectations, not necessarily condition them, but just, just to manage their expectations and to remind them that this is the hottest market it's been in 30 years?
1: I'd say exactly that. You know, you 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 sort of at the top of that crest of the wave. Um, I mean, the market can't keep going uh, month on month as it has. It it never does. And then I would draw um, draw their thoughts to twenty seventeen, and I, this is where I would sort of sum it up and say, look, guys, it it's very reminiscent of what we saw through twenty seventeen. The market was. Was very strong through the early part of the year. You know, the results were out of this world and it was booming. Quite clearly, it was booming. Um, mm. And we're riding that wave. And it, it 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 reminds me of that about now. We're at the top of that. But once we got into the middle of the year, it's like the market caught a bit of a cold and you know things started to pull back a little bit. But by the time spring hit, um, it was a full-bone blown flu because there was a lot more property on the market. And it started to level out. You know, those crazy prices came back. And, you know, we, we probably either settled at a certain price point or it adjusted back 10% in 2017. Mm. Um, and I would tell them that. I would be very forthright about it and say, look, no one can pick the peak of the market until it's come off and we're, we're out of that. Um, and I just take control of the situation with an owner and sort of just give them the advice as you see it because you're seeing it, I'm seeing it, others are seeing it. And then the media will start to do the work for you because they'll inevitably start um, telling them how awful it is.
0: Mm. They haven't done that yet, though. They've really, yet. The media have really jumped on this bandwagon of 30% growth, you know, in the 90 plus percent clearance rate, et cetera, et cetera. So, so yeah. the, the, the vendors uh, have got very selective um, choice around what they want to listen to. So they'll listen to that. Mm. Um, but as agents we're on the ground dealing with, with a bit of buyer fatigue, which is like, you know what guys I'm just over it. I've missed out on four properties. You know, I think I might just give it a rest or, or, Look, you know, you're telling me it's going for 850, but you know, like that means one three, doesn't it? You're like, no, no, actually, no, no. My my vendor's expectations are only like 900. So, so that's it's, a really it's, it's, good it's a point.
1: Yeah, I, I think you and I have seen this over many years in different markets where buyers start to get to that point. Now, if you don't address it right now with them, exactly mm-hmm. what you said before is going to happen. Buyers and say, look, mm-hmm. bugger it, we're not going to turn up. Um, it's mm-hmm. too hot. It's going to get way over you've got to get on the phone and you've got to say to that buyer, guys, it's not what you think it's going to be. This owner is very realistic. The interest is not crazy. It's certainly a bit of interest in it. You don't want to downplay it too much. Mm-hmm. Um, but you've got to get the buyer there because a lot of them are Bugger, it's going to be too much. And, you know, if you don't address that with a buyer right now, you're going to turn up on auction day and you're going to have buyers that you thought would be there. And because, you, you know, you've thought, oh, well, the market will get us across one the and they're not. And you're skinny, and you struggle. Um, it's Very important to have that conversation now.
0: So, so, is that the right dialogue with buyers? So, say, say they're they're ha- a bit hungover, if you if you like, from the peak of the market, which let's let's call it six to eight weeks ago, and they're a bit hungover because they've 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 been under bidders on four properties. Mm. Um, what what sort of sobering and 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 also comforting advice would you give them if they suggested they might just wait for a while encouragement
1: i'd just be encouraging them to be there you know that this is going to be within your price range i think this is a great opportunity um, based on the feedback i'm getting and i would just encourage them i mean i wouldn't be going into great detail about the market and how it's changing none of that sort of stuff is going to help you um, but I would be encouraged, and I'd basically be giving them the confidence to be there and say to them, guys, this, this is the one that is going to be within the the, the reach of, of your, your budget. Mm-hmm. Be at the auction, um, because I can tell you right now, the owners are realistic. The price is not going to be astronomical. And this is a chance to get in now. The sort of property you've been looking for, you've missed out on enough, and I'm telling you to be there. I'd just be very
0: reassuring. Mm-hmm. Do you think that um, face-to-face buyer meetings either uh, at the opens or even in the office the week leading into the auction is something that 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 agents should be doing more of?
1: Look, we, we haven't had to do it for the past 12 months, have we? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's certainly through opens and so forth, some of the tougher properties maybe, but look, it'll get back to that again. You and I have done it. You and I have lived through those markets and, I, I tell you, if you if you give that level of service anyway, it's going to come back to you later. If you're going to be a real estate agent for the next five, ten, twenty years, um, you're going to build those relationships and rapport, and and they're going to come back to you, tenfold, um, probably.
0: Yeah, I I, 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 was, I conducted a coaching session earlier this this week. Um, oh, sorry, late last week with. Um, Ray White Erskineville, who I do a lot of work with. And, and you know, we, we talked about, you know, how do we get more intimate with buyers? And I asked them to, to test, you know, especially the associates, to actually, you know, call each buyer and say, look, you're one of four people that are indicating they're going to be registering on Saturday. I'd like to catch up with you just for 20 minutes, just to talk about a few things. Number one, to let you know where my vendor's at in terms of headspace and motivation. Number two, to let you know what your competition is on the auction day. And number three, just to run you through the logistics of how the auction's going to work. And um, a lot of agents were like, really, should we do it? Anyway, they've tried it. They've been amazed at the sort of information they've gained from it. They've been amazed at, at, at the the people that didn't agree to that meeting, therefore vetted them as not a serious buyer, and the ones that did agree to the meeting um, elevated or escalated them as a serious buyer um, yeah. so i I think it can be quite a useful tool, regardless of the market i mean you know yeah. in in this market there's a reason to do it because buyers might think it's going to go for too much, therefore they're no chance then yeah. it's also useful in in a weaker market where it's harder to get traction with buyers, right? So yeah. I, I personally feel I personally feel that face-to-face meetings with buyers and almost offering vendor-like service with buyers yeah. is something that associates or standalone agents with lower volume should be definitely getting into the habit of I doing. I think that's
1: a, a great tip and a great thing to coach. I mean, look, it will get to that point. I mean, the market will, will always go through these ways. If you build up that you know um that habit uh and that level of service and you make it part of your business i think that's a great thing to do mm.
0: so mate um with with your your role um mm. obviously you're, you're you know you're, you're a part business owner with with rich yep. um you're the you're the you're the company's auctioneer like i assume no one else does auctions in uh, Richard business, and I both do. They both, yep. both do, yes, yeah, so you do the yep. your auctions. You're, you're listing and selling, um, yep. you're mentoring, um, then you have got children as well. And um and you, you you still manage to do some fitness, et cetera. So yep. so what you know a lot of people talk about work life balance if you 've heard me um, discuss that you know I, I call it a misnomer and i I'm, I, I talk more about work life harmony when you 're in mm. real estate anyway i mean work life balance could exist if you worked in banking or if you worked in a tr- as a tradesperson or whatever, but in real estate it 's a lifestyle right so yeah. it's more it 's more about how harmonious yeah. can, can you make these two beasts of life and work symbiotically talk to each other. Um, yeah. wh- what, what is your hack on it and, and what mistakes have you made in that area and, 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 and what improvements have you made in that area?
1: Well, I've made all the mistakes. I'm sure of that. Um, look, you, you're a hundred percent right in what you say about, you know, the fact work-life balance for a successful agent probably doesn't exist. You know, I could tell you there's a few things you can do. Um, number one, Get a team around you. Get a good team. Work in a good brand that support you um, and importantly get the right team around you so that, you know, you've got the ability to to get away and and not feel like your business is going to stop. That's the first Um, the other part is I mean, structure yourself and you know everyone's busy. Everyone's got stuff to do, but you will make time for the things that you find are important. Um, I think it's just structuring what you want. I haven't got that part right yet. I'm doing better at it. Um, You know, I, I sort of, you know, feel like that's something I need to improve on as well because there's a lot of hours we do here. Um, But you, you know, it is a lifestyle. And I think if you're, you're good at what you do, you enjoy what you do. So you don't consider it work necessarily, but to get, um, a bit of clarity and have a life outside of real estate, I think is important because otherwise it doesn't matter how, how, uh, how good you are or, 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 or who you are. It, it is a challenge and you don't want to burn out. You really don't. Um,
0: so how do you, how do you manage it, Matt? How do you, how do you see your kids, um, dedicate time to your business, um, try and keep healthy. Is, is there a routine that you go yep. through?
1: Yeah, yeah. The, the health part's a big one. I've dropped a heap of weight in the last sort of five or six years, so I'm I'm strict about that. You know, I I, I train pretty much every morning. Um, that's the first thing I do, uh, I, and I and I'm consistent with that. It's pretty much five, maybe six days a week I do that. So I'm 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 solid with that. Um, and it's only sort of forty minutes or so. That's all I need to do to to keep keep active and get my head right. Um, with the kids, I have set time where I'm. it's a non-negotiable for me. Certain days, you know, I had them th- Thursday afternoons, I pick them up from school, take them to school Friday mornings, they're non-negotiables for me. Um, Sundays, I spend the day with them, you know, and, and Monday mornings, Saturday nights. So you make it work. Um, in the holidays, I take breaks, you know, regular breaks, so that I can make sure that I've got something to look forward to and I know that if I'm working hard that you know, I'm going to have this particular time off and the only way that i can do that is by having a team that supports me um, so when i'm not there um, they're there and nothing stops you know the, the, the consistency of what we do does not change so the the team aspect and having the right people around you that know what they're doing is the only way it really works um, and i think you have to have that or, or you you can't you can't sustain that pace all the time
0: mm, interesting um- just going back to to your agents, have you ever had some of your agents approach you and say, "Matt or Rich, mate, you know what? I think I've reached a level here where I really can't grow. I'm thinking about opening my own business." Um, and if you've had those conversations, how many have remained, and what have you said to to keep them there? And how many how many have actually left?
1: I haven't I haven't had those conversations. I've had people leave that you know wanted to sort of do different things and so forth. And that's normal. Um, I haven't, I haven't as yet, but what we have said to the team openly is that as they grow, as they develop, as they're more successful, and as they have goals, they want to kick themselves. um, We would be open to sort of, you know, expanding the business, working with them um, to sort of grow, uh, you know, in different areas. Um, And we'd be, we'd be very much open to that with the right people, people we feel, you know, align with our, our values and our culture hundred mm-hmm. percent okay but i haven't so, had that, that conversation otherwise
0: okay so what you're talking about there is you've made it clear to your team yourself and richard that you'd be open to some sort of equity or partner arrangement um you know as long as they meet certain metrics whether it's yeah. 10 tenure productivity culture or whatever yep. it might be yeah Yep.
1: 100 percent. and we would grow the business different offices different locations where they've got you know, that, um, that ability to sort of grow with us. Yeah, 100%. We'd be open to that. And I, I think that's the way of our business forward to sort of um, grow the brand and, and the amount of people that work here
0: that's a, that's an excellent mentality and it's it's part of an abundance mentality where a lot of a lot of other principals you know have lost agents and then reacted and then created that model or, or that environment and it's been a bit late so it's it's good that you've embraced that early on because a, a, as you know that, it's going to happen it's inevitable it's inevitable no there's going to be agents that they whether whether they think that owning a business is is a great wealth creation plan which you and I know it's 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 not that, it's, it's not it's not about ADA that great headache <laughs> aid plan. Um um I mean it can be a great wealth creation plan but, sure. but you know like in buying investment properties is, is probably the best but great salespeople make more money I, 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 I yeah. sincerely
1: believe that if they if they're really good at what they do and then they use their money wisely but if they yeah. want to go into business ownership. You know,
0: yeah which you've done we've we've done that. Um, yeah you can't um, you, you can't stop people and you no you, you can't suppress ambition you can't suppress no, ambition yeah no,
1: not yeah. everyone wants that, but some people do, and yeah we we're open to that definitely
0: mm-hmm. so for for agents that that are listening um Matt just with with your experience um what are in this current market and let let's call it let's call it quite a manic market in the last two years, you know, like it was only five minutes ago, and I say that facetiously where we couldn't give properties away, right yeah. Yeah. Um, and, 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 four weeks ago, we're getting, you know, 20 registered parties at, at, at an auction, right? So that's, that's the manic nature of, of this market. And, sure. and, and in a month's time, who knows what's going to happen? Um, what, what advice would you give agents to create what I call an impervious and fortified business model that is vaccinated against these market conditions that will see them through changing markets? What, what, what advice would you give them? Be
1: consistent, you know, do what you're doing when the times are great. Um, take advantage of that, but continue doing what you're doing. Don't get complacent. Don't take shortcuts. Um, I think that's a big part of, um, you know, working in different markets, you sort of gather you know, it's not always going to be great. It's not always going to be terrible. Be consistent, um, you know, and zig when you have to zag and all that sort of stuff and, you know, move with the times. Don't get caught up. all well, that worked three years ago, so we've got to keep doing that because things change. And if you don't change with it, if you don't adapt quickly enough mm. and you don't move and you would use the word nimble before when you're discussing our business, I think we're very much that. We sort of move as we need to and we adjust. Um, because if we don't, we're still stuck back at when COVID first hit mm-hmm. in hibernation, chasing our tail. But, you, you know, you've got to keep moving forward. Just, get, okay, let's get, get on to the next thing and sort of, you know, make sure for yourself as a um, as an agent that you you have good systems in place, good processes, and you keep doing what is is consistently needed to be done, which is basic mm-hmm. in our business, but you've got to keep doing that.
0: What, what are some specifics though? Like if I, if I was an agent and I wanted to make sure that I I was consistent, so yeah. I could, I could weather the storm or, or of good and bad markets, high prices, low prices, high interest rates, low interest rates. What are some specific day to day things that I need to be consistent on?
1: Make more calls, you know, get, talk to more people, fill that pipeline up, you know, have a, a network of people that you're constantly chatting to. Don't, don't forgo that because you've got a heap of stock at one point in time and things are going great because at some point that'll, that'll sort of change. I think that's a big one, you know, get on the phone, don't let text and email replace what really um, makes you successful, which is talking to people, um, getting face to face, you know, talking to people in their, in their homes, you know, if you're, you're sort of an agent um, that's an associate agent, get in front of more buyers, you know, service more buyers, get in front of them, build relationships and rapport with them. They're going to be your next seller later, um, and you're going to be able to close deals. So do all the things that that you need to be doing. The basic stuff, get it right. Um, you know, give great service. Don't don't sort of cut corners where you know I'm not going to call those people back, or I'm I'm, I'm going to let that sort of go. And yourself, you know, give great service and really don't be complacent around that. Um, I think a lot of what we do is just really basic stuff, phone call and service related things. You know, follow up. Um, you know, don't forget about people who are, who are not selling right away, you know, get them into a system, into a database, into a pipeline, whatever works for you, but continue to stay in touch with them and keep them up to date. Cause at one point they're going to do business and you want to be the one they do it with. You want to be forefront of their mind.
0: Mm-hmm. There were some really good nuggets in there listeners. If you, if you didn't take note, one was, and then a lot of them are KPI based, but one was, um, you know, don't hide behind text or email, like they're good compliments to a traditional yet extremely effective way of communication, which is picking up the damn phone. Okay. Number two, what you heard there from, from Matt was, face-to-face in order to create relationships. So that's a KPI and you need to create what, how, you know, how many face-to-faces per week or per month or whatever. However, what Matt's saying is relationships is the success and the secret in this business because we, whether you're Ray Wyatt, Richard Matthews, whatever, uh, pe- people are not necessarily seduced by brands but they will be impressed with how you make them feel when you meet with them and based on what advice you provide them so that was that was a really, really good one the other one which you may not have picked up listeners was was play the long game don't necessarily just focus on catch and kill today like put people in your database talk to them and nurture them and galvanize them and harness them for a listing or a sale in seven to ten years' time, even in twenty years' time, that's the game that you got to play. So, some really good, some really good takeaways there, mate. Um, so, as as we start to wrap up, um, buddy, it's it's been really insightful, and I, I appreciate your time. Um, and and as you know, you know, sure. I always always you know I invite people who I feel have got a pay it forward type attitude, and I know, I know you do. Yep. Um, so so thank you for that. Um, always ask. Um, four questions one you've already answered which is do you have a daily ritual which is your exercise which is non-negotiable 40 minutes that's perfect that's that's similar to the the um the metaphor that sort of um, matt steinway talks about which is a 31 minutes which is really just saying you know what move every day no nine. no one no one <laughs> is mate no one is no one is mate and that's why he's got one t matt because he's mate. He's, he's one of a kind buddy like, I, I know him very very well and the guy is is an amazing human being yep. um and 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 he's the same age as me and mate he's he's he's, he's absolutely chiseled <laughs> um um second question is what what's one of the, the better decisions you've made in in, in in business? You know, since since you've 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 had um, Richard Matthews.
1: Um, I think letting go to grow. You know, really expanding the team, putting good people around us. You know, um, recruiting before we were probably ready in some aspects. Mm. Um, and I think that's getting ourselves uncomfortable. I mean, that's the bottom line. We 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 struggled for too many years by not doing what we knew we had to do with sort of, you know, not, not getting the right people around us and we're trying to do everything ourselves, but yeah, getting the team that we need in place in order to allow us to do what we're good at and letting go of some of those things that we, we shouldn't be doing as, as, as agents or principals allowed us to grow. Mm. Um, that's the absolute best advice I can give. Mm.
0: Okay. Interesting. What's, what's, A not so good decision yourself and and rich have made in the business or something something that was at least labeled maybe a bad decision then but may not necessarily be now um
1: i i really don't think that there's anything that we regret that we've done from a business sense i i think probably um not having associate agents working alongside of us from very early in the piece was something we both regret significantly now, Mm, Like it mm. took us a number of years in order to get to that point. Um, Mm. I think that's probably the one thing that I would have changed much earlier in my career. I would have done it well before Richard Matthews time. Mm. Um, And I tell everybody that's in my team right now, that if Mm. you're transacting, you know, reasonable numbers and you sort of, you've got the ability to, to put somebody on get into it um, because it will keep you accountable. You will grow automatically because you have to, you just, you do what you've got to do. Um, that, that I would change hundred percent.
0: So, so currently if one of your lead agents approach you and seek your counsel around, when is the right time to put on an associate, what metrics do you apply to be able to provide them that recommendation?
1: Um, I think the first metric is that do I think that they're able to have a teammate and able to add value for that teammate? Like, are you able to sort of be knowledgeable enough and have the right skill set to be growing them? That's the first one. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think usually by that stage, somebody is able to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, From a monetary sense, look, from a GCI perspective, I think it's Probably in my mind around 300. I don't know if that's a right or wrong number. It's just in my head that that's probably Mm -hmm. around the number. Mm -hmm. Um, Some people say the day you start in real estate. I I can't agree with that because I think that's too hard to sort of really say is right. I mean, you, you can't employ somebody into your, into your team the day you start because you don't know enough yourself to bring enough value to them and lead them properly. So Mm -hmm. I think 300 is about a number. But I I think you've got to get uncomfortable and put yourself in that situation as early as you possibly can because you will step up. You have to. Mm.
0: And and in your geographical precinct, 300 GCI would equate to approximately how many sales if people were to use a volume metric rather than GCI metric? Um, What would it be? It would be... Thirty-five sales, probably twenty-five to thirty. Yeah, twenty around that. Okay, good. And you need yeah. it at that point, Adrian.
1: Like you just, you just yep. can't do everything properly and grow yep. without it.
0: Yep, I agree. I agree. That's that's usually best practice. Around thirty sales without without um, compromising either the service level to consumers and customers without yep. creating leakage in your business. And without some degree of burnout, so you could do it you could don 't get me wrong you could you could do forty yeah, you could do yeah. forty fifty sales, you could go to eight hundred gci right you on can. your on your own however, one of those three things, one hundred percent will be cannibalized one hundred percent so yeah. so it 's unnecessary because you and I have paid the stupidity tax, yep. many others. 100%. Have So it's our obligation, Matt. It's our obligation to, to inform these guys that you don't need to go down that path. It's un- no. it's unnecessary. Completely 100% unnecessary. Agree. Yeah. Um, last, last uh, question, mate, is um, you get to ask me anything. What would
1: you change today? Knowing everything, you know, I mean, you're one of the most uh, knowledgeable, experienced agents, you coach, you've been at the top of your game for a long, long time. What, what's the one thing you would change today? Um, it could be personal or business, maybe one of each that you would do differently. Let's say one of each um, that you would do differently knowing what you know now.
0: Yeah, it 's a good one um, it's uh, i've shot myself in the foot by having these questions and not preparing for them um, <laughs> but but it's meant to you know uh, create a visceral response uh, i do I do put my uh, uh, guests on the spot so i suppose i've got to i 've got to uh, provide myself the same courtesy um, business wise um, what would I do different um, i suppose i suppose I would be not in as much of a rush to achieve certain milestones. So what do I mean by that? I mean that um, when I was the first agent in Australia to ever do $2 million GCI, I remember it distinctly, um, I was uh, absolutely... um, incapacitated so i was i was out for three months i was chronic fatigue glandular fever burned out gone yep. but i never remember never forget it you know john and i sat down and he said to me mate do you realize you're the first agent in australia ever to write two million dollars on your own as an agent with with you know i can't remember at the time might have been one or one or two people on my team um and a a I, I felt no different i didn't yep. feel any happier um That's i didn't true. Um, I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't feel any more satisfied. Um, and B physically I was fucked. <laughs> yeah. Be, yeah, yeah. Excuse, excuse my French. No,
1: no um, that's the best way to describe it. Cause I think yeah. uh, anyone that's had a bit of success can absolutely relate to that.
0: Yeah. But I was in such a rush. I was in such yeah. a rush to, to, to get there at the time. You know, it was like someone had a gun to my head. Mm. That's the degree of urgency that I placed on myself Yep. And and that was self inflicted, and I suppose um, there's there is there is good that came out of that because I've, I've always had a high degree of urgency and self expectation. I suppose what I've learned yep. to do, Matt, now is just slow it down, just yep. slow everything down because and and the penny dropper for me was when I was sitting at a conference. I'll never forget. And there was two blokes that that um, kayaked between Australia and New Zealand. I forgot their names, but I remember this. Yeah, and, and 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 someone was interviewing them, and they were they had a sat phone on them, right? So mm-hmm. they were only one sat phone away from giving up. And they and someone asked them, "Did did you guys ever think of giving up?" And they were like, "Fuck, you know, every third or fourth day, because it took <clears> them like three weeks, right?" And a kayak's small for two people, right? Small. Yeah. Um, so they ate in it, they slept in it. Like I'm talking the whole thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. And did you think again, they said, yes, we, we, we thought about giving up all the time. Yeah. However, instead of giving up, you know what we did? We paddled at 80% for three days and boom.
1: That's a really good, that's a really good way to view it. Sometimes, isn't it? I, I was at that con- I'm pretty sure it was the same conference. I remember that. Um, and that actually puts it into context really well, doesn't it? Because you keep going forward, but you're just giving yourself a little bit of a – it's not sort of um, a million miles an hour or nothing.
0: That's right. So I thought, wow, what an incredible metaphor. For them, it was paddling at 80% for three days. Yeah. For me, it could be, you know, instead of working at 100 100- 20% capacity every day all day why don't i just work at 70% or 80% capacity for the next 48 hours yourself. yeah until i'm yeah. until my energy levels are back to on track until my mindset is back on track until you know i'm providing 100% customer service until i'm 100% present in every meeting you know so That's cool. so I thought, I thought that was just a real brilliant penny dropper for me. So that's something that I've really brought into my, both of my businesses, my real estate business and my coaching business, you know, yeah. um, personal, personal. Um, what's one thing I'd probably do different. Um, I don't have kids and I'm older than you. So I've, I've been on this planet 50 years uh, as of a couple of weeks ago. Uh, yeah 32nd or 33rd year in the industry um i suppose my legacy now is going to be a improving the industry and b raising awareness around mental health in the industry because it's 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 absolutely rampant and epidemic right i hope i hope one day that 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 i will have children but but my my you know i've probably left it a little bit too late despite being married for 12 years so so i suppose not that i have a regret as such because it could still happen there's no biological reason why it can't happen um but i think that would be also another additional nice legacy you know um to to have and and look i'm not i'm not uh an idealist i'm very realistic you know like um I know that having children is the best thing you 'll do, but the the, the hardest thing you 'll ever do you know that 's a hundred uh, percent true yeah, so you know and i 've sat in lounge rooms at six o 'clock at night for for twenty five years or more, um, so i know I know the challenging parts of it and and part of me today feels a little bit selfish because i 'm like well i don 't have kids, and i 've you know what i 've got a pretty relaxed life, and a lot of people with kids say to me, dude. Mate, you're lucky, man, just just keep it that way. You know, there's grey
1: hairs for you, Bowie.
0: Yeah, and it's like pre COVID, yeah.
1: Megan,
0: Megan and myself would have two luxurious overseas holidays every yeah. year. Not for I month, not for months, four, but for I think two. the four
1: seasons at Maui would be missing you.
0: Oh mate, I'll tell you I've 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 place. paid I've paid their land tax, I think, for the last <laughs> you know, to, it's a funny because we went there for our for our honeymoon yeah. and we've been back like seven eight Beautiful times spot. since
1: yeah, Stony
0: resort, incredible. So, so pre COVID, you know, you know, I'm not talking, we have three month holidays, we have two and a half week holidays and, yeah. and I conditioned my wife because <sighs> e- even on our honeymoon, mate, I was working every single day on email and phone call. In fact, I'd be more stressed if I wasn't attached to, sure. to, to, to Sadly, some email. It? Yeah, it is. Sad. But that's just part of, that's just part of our makeup. We're, yeah. we're, we're that type of personality. Um, So, so yeah, I, I suppose if, if, if I could change things, I'd probably would have got a bit more proactive around the kids arena um, yep. earlier. Does, the, you know, look in saying all of that, mate, what I've learned with the adversity that I've been in through in my life. And also the, the, the massive wins I've had in my life. Yep. And I've, I've seen the extreme of both, you know, like I was part of an IPO, which, you know, saw me have more money than I ever dreamed of. And then I've, then I was, you know, thrown under the bus in a very public um, in a public forum, which was, yep. which was a terrible experience. So I've had the massive highs, massive lows. Um, so what I have learned um, uh, Matt is that life is an illusion, mate. Control is an illusion. We can influence things, right? We can influence yep. things now, in but to think that you can map out the next five years of your life, you're fucking delusional mate, yep.
1: because. Can I, can I say with that, I mean, that, that's so true. And in our industry, you mentioned it before and, and probably probably, it's not touched on a whole lot, but I, I'll ask if we can. The whole Beyond Blue thing that you um, you obviously support and the mental health stuff around real estate, I think that is a massive um, credit to you because not talked about enough. I mean, I talk about it a bit, and you know when I do interviews and stuff like that. But I think that is a huge thing in our business, and I think people don't either feel comfortable to talk about it or um, they consider it a sign of weakness. Um, I think it's a real credit to you Bowie that you you sort of bring light to it and you support it so strongly and um I got to say it's a it's a it's a big reason why I was 100% more than happy to do this and I, I think credit to you you're um you're a good man and you you sort of you do shine light on it and not many people do so I think it's well done to you
0: Do they get into real estate in terms of mental health issues, or is it something they had before? And, and it's a very good question. And, and my response—I've lost
1: to... your volume there, Owen. You got me? Can you hear me? No? Okay, one second. Can you can you hear me? Vaguely. That's interesting. Wonder why.
0: Um, can you hear me now? No. Right, let me plug back in. One sec.
1: Can you, can you hear me now? Very faint. I don't know if it's just me.
0: Yeah. is your is your volume okay?
1: Yeah, my volume is good.
0: Right, let me turn mine right up. Is it yeah, can you hear me okay now?
1: Or it's still it's now? faint, but I can hear you.
0: Yeah, okay. Okay, that's strange. Um yeah, so I, I think I think that um it's both. You know, a lot of people who get into real estate a lot of them to start with are very a type personalities, um, so therefore they 're they're, they're naturally a very anxious and overthoughtful person who who can obsess over uh, matters yep. and secondly secondly, once they get into real estate um, they 're usually technology natives. What I mean by that is they 've joined in the last 15 20 years so therefore they're they're exposed immediately to social media and when you're when you're exposed to social media you get an unnatural level and frequency of dopamine hits what i mean by that is dopamine is a a a a chemical in your that your body creates that that when you feel good right and it's 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 usually from doing something like exercise or walking in the park or being with a friend or whatever. But, but social media has created it for us every time we get a like, or every time someone view comments or whatever. So that's a, that's an unnaturally high level of dopamine. So what that does is create, create um, this expectation that dopamine and serotonin, which are the feel good chemicals um, should happen every day, all day, which is unrealistic. Yes. So um, it's a bit of both. It's a bit of both. It's like people that are overthinkers and are high achievers are attracted to real estate. Then once they're in real estate, um, social media is only one part of it, but it's a big part of it. In that we are receiving an unnaturally high level uh, of 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 dopamine and serotonin, and therefore we're constantly chasing it, um, which is not not healthy. Which is not healthy. Yeah, you know, so. that's true. So, um, yeah, I'm going to continue to talk about it. I'm going to continue to, 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 um, um, you know, pay part of my proceeds from, um, from my coaching sessions and, and my Academy and books. I've got two books that are almost finished. And so I'm doing a whole bunch of stuff, you know, um, because it's, it's the least I can do because I've been there. I've been there. I've been at the the lowest of the lows and the highest of the highs. And it's, it's, it's not fun. um, And, um, you know, I want I want to make sure that, that it is something people can feel f- comfortable to talk about. Um, and it's very commercialised, mate. I mean, there's, you know, R U OK? Day and all that. But it's, it's, it's very commercial, mate. It's almost like Christmas. And yeah. you know, it's become very commercial, you know, like... It's a credit
1: to you, mate. Just to, I, I can tell you now, uh, hands down, that there'd be people that are, are listening to this or do other stuff in real estate and hear about it and feel a level of comfort that it's not just them feeling that way. And I, I think it's a real credit to you for somebody who's looked at so highly in the industry. And, you know, I've been around a long time. You've been around a lot longer than me. Um, and for me to hear that you talk about it, and I know other people have mentioned it to me before, uh, it's, it's a credit to you and well done to you. Mm.
0: Well, if I can give people a quick hack, which, because I, you know, a lot of, a lot of sessions I do involve this. So just a really quick hack for, for people that, that, are, that are going through something. Um, normally what's happening is there's, there's a voice in your head. Okay. And it's this voice in your head, which is saying, am I good enough? Um, am I good looking enough? Am I a good enough real estate agent? Um, you know, uh, uh, you know, all, 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 all these questions and all these doubts that come up in your head, you know, am I going to be able to list this property? You know, I had a great month last month. How am I going to replicate it? All, 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 all these, all these, these, these thought bubbles that pop up. The only, problem with it is they're more than four bubbles they're actually a separate entity within your body without actually getting too spiritual that is called your shadow or is called your dark side so if anyone remembers watching the fight club there was there was the character who was who was brad pitt and then there was the character who was ed norton now for people who may not remember ed norton was not a fictional character. He wasn't even actually a tangible character. He was Brad Pitt's dark side who became that palpable and that strong within Brad Pitt's mind that he actually manifested into a character and that was his dark side seducing him to do all these things okay Um, so basically that wolf in sheep's clothing which i call it because it is it is masked and it is a wolf in sheep's clothing is constantly questioning us constantly doubting us and constantly trying to seduce us okay so there's the worst examples of people in mental institutions and in Um, alcoholic uh, or drug rehabilitation centers where the wolf has overcome the sheep. So the voice or the dark side has completely overcome the, 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 the entity, which is us, right? So it doesn't need to get to that. So a quick hack for any of you who has that voice in your head is to pause, is to question it, is to, um, um, accept that this may not be real. In fact, it probably is not real and that it's actually not you, it's a separate entity within you that's talking. And then you choose to either cooperate and accept it and believe of it to be true or say no, I will disrespect you as I would someone who I disrespect. So we've got all got people in our lives, other human beings who have an opinion who we disrespect, right? So you need to treat this dark side the same way because it is a whole separate entity. And sometimes you need to say, no, I disrespect you. I disagree with you. I don't believe you. I will not be seduced by you, okay? So look, that's a very quick hack. Um, there's a lot more to it. And I'm very fortunate that I'm equipped to be able to deal with emergency situations like this, which I have had to do many times, but that's just a very quick hack for people who have that voice to accept that it's very common. It's not going to go away. You're going to have it for the rest of your life, but accept that it's a separate entity and you don't have to take it as gospel every time. You, you're allowed to question it. In fact, you should be questioning it. You're entitled to question it. And sometimes you need to dismiss it and disrespect it as you would another human being who you don't respect. Well said. Okay. That went down a rabbit hole that we didn't expect. But that's, that's what happens when uh, Matt Everyham and Adrian Bo get together, right?
1: Well said, mate. I, I think that'll help a lot more people than you realise. So good job. I hope so. I hope good so. Job. <laughs>
0: Matty, you're a legend. Thanks for your precious time. We're, this is probably one of the longest podcasts I've done, but that's just a uh, testament to our relationship, and which I value dearly. Thank and you. Um, and, mate, I really appreciate your commitment and time to uh, to the villages today. Thanks, Bobby. Okay, thanks, everyone.